Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beatty, and former France international, Benjamin Kayser. It's a French double again in the European competitions at the weekend as Leon and La Rochelle both lifted their first European titles in Marseille and we may be going to join the party in La Rochelle. Who knows? We've got the feelers out there, haven't we, Johnny? That's a big maybe. <laughs> We've had a lot of yeses, a lot of drunken replies. I don't know who's going to join us, if anyone, but we won't hold our breaths. We'll see. The scenes have been fairly epic in the port. The open top bus parade. We've been in touch with several guys. We know they're having a lot of fun. Possibly too much fun to join us, Benji. And as they should be. Come on. <laughs> Boys, there's no chance in the world you would get me on a podcast on a Monday night after we're in the Champions League. What are you on about? I mean, to put it back in perspective, I don't know. It's, it's true that... I, I, I heard like Will Skelton, or no, it was Ronan O'Gara, I can't remember who it was, who had to put La Rochelle on the map for the UK listeners. Uh, obviously, p- people know Ile de Ré because it's like a posh place and stuff. But La Rochelle is, 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 is a beautiful, but a little bit isolated uh, French rugby cathedral now, which has completely taken over from, from Clermont in terms of heart, passion, uh, fanatic supporters. It's a big thing for you to say, Benji. Yeah, but, no, but it's true. And to be fair, I, I mean, I, I was shocked last time when I went back for the, the Clermont Leicester game. Remember, I told you, and it wasn't full. And we were chatting. And I was like, mate, the, the new Clermont is La Rochelle. Sold out for almost the last 48 months or something. Unheard of. Well, 48 months. There was the pandemic in the middle. But you know what I mean? Let, let's not get the truth game with a good story. Very, very much sold out. Lots of, lots of sold outs. But also a huge identity around the club. Fantastic economical um, equation that's been copied and envied by a lot of other clubs. And, and La Rochelle are just leading the way uh, with you know fantastic stories between Bourgarit and Alderid three, four years ago, whatever it was. We had Greg on, on the podcast who were playing for the Espars and Osh. You know, and just those those crazy good stories. A ton of players who were not shining as much, and you put them in a right env- environment with the right amount of love. Jonathan Danti is a monster of a player and he just needed a bit of fresh air. He needed a bit of love, a bit of self-confidence back and La Rochelle just, you know, got him with open arms and you're like, oh, this guy's been there for 10 years. No, no, just joined and he's smashing it and he did a grand slam and, and, and won Europe. So no, they should be partying. They should be saying thank you uh, to their fans, and I, and I saw a quote of Greg saying, you know, that the fans are as or more European champions than we are. Fair play. I know we'll speak about the game in, in, in length, 
but bloody hell, that was that was a proper hearty performance. It completely killed all the all the brains that tried to explain how much heart could not be taken care of or taken in consideration when it's about making a pronostic. And I was absolutely blown away by the performance. So they should be celebrating. I hope nobody's drowning in the harbor. I hope everybody's good and happy and healthy. But the scenes remind me of Place de Jode, but with beautiful sunshine and a harbor and this Atlantic Ocean, because that's what La Rochelle is all about. Let's chat about the game, Johnny, because one of those brains is right here. You thought Leinster were going to do it, didn't you? Like they were clear favorites to everybody, like us included. But we did talk about how La Rochelle could win. And it was essentially they play their perfect game. And that's what they did. Like defensively, they were freakish, like animals. And lots of people try, like Benji, you and I have played against Leinster. We played against Ireland before. You try and line speed and try and put pressure and they just cut you to bits. They shred you. But La Rochelle didn't. They just, they were constantly got up in their faces, put them under pressure and they made them look ordinary in certain facets of their game. And that's for me, what was amazing. And again, you mentioned the sort of the crowd, the spirit, the back room, the, the, the village, the town that is La Rochelle. But plug into that Ronan O'Gara, Donica Ryan, a coaching team that has got these guys primed. And you didn't even notice Victor Vito wasn't there. Like one of the best players on the pitch for me was Matthias Haddad, <laughs> like a 21-year-old flanker. He was absolutely phenomenal. Up time and time again, his work rate was insane. The tackles, taking people behind the gain line. The other one nobody really spoke about, but Kerr Barlow, again, he wasn't there, but you would never have noticed. You wouldn't have noticed he wasn't playing. Thomas Bergeon, slick, accurate, his kicking game was spot on. So like, it should have been potentially more disjointed than normal, but they almost took another step up with very important players missing. It was really well handled. They were dominant. We talked about the physicality last week as well, but both sides of the ball. Like one of the best examples for me was the first Leinster attack in La Rochelle red zone where Leinster, a nice rap play off the back. They get like five meters over the gain line, another carry three meters over the gain line and Leinster straight away under the sticks. And you're like, oh shit this is going to be a long afternoon. And somebody comes up with a jackal. Like how many times and how good were they at the breakdown? Like it was absolutely monstrous. So like defensively, the effort they got through and the collective know-how to pressurize Leinster time and time again and make them look basic and simple was for me, one of the best performances I've ever seen defensively. And then when they had time on the ball, they also showed that there are no mugs. Collectively, the semi-final was a write-off. That was an absolute bloodbath. But when they get their shit together when they play well, when they play collectively as a team with their systems that are very, very impressive, it almost doesn't matter who the personnel are. When they're confident, they've got each other's backs and they attack that gain line with big carriers. And then they release the likes of Lade's rule that we saw at the back, creating absolute chaos with Brice Dulan, who another another guy, you mentioned Jonathan Dante, but Brice Dulan is another one, another resurgence, like going from cast, from racing, from nowhere, like loving his rugby. And you see how much he's enjoyed the celebrations the past couple of days, but collectively, they were absolutely phenomenal against a team that everybody had as favourites. So they were absolutely sensational. And again, I, I can't remember enjoying a final as much as I enjoyed that one. I absolutely loved watching it. For me, the the number one element is how they attack the, the ruck. So Leinster plays so quick that you have two solutions, but both of them you're going to get killed if you don't do it perfect, which is why they're so ruthless. If you compete for everything, but you don't come out with the ball, they'll kill you because you'll be outnumbered uh, exactly. in the defensive line and they'll just overlap you. But if you don't compete in the ball and it goes 300 miles an hour like it was against Toulouse, the, the semi-final, I did it for BT at halftime, they said it. Average rock speed, 2.41 seconds for Leinster, 4.6, oh no, it was 2.6 for Leinster, 4.4 for Toulouse. Done. You know, when you, you constantly get caught, you never have a second to breathe, to have a look what's going on. And then actually from very, very simple plays, they create 
uh, breaks. And you think they're geniuses. No, they just go three times faster than everybody else. And the game started against La Rochelle and I heard Ronaldo go, we've got a plan. We've got a plan. You know, there was that big sentence. And they competed for every single ruck. I'm like, wow, they're dooms. That will last 20 minutes. Either you get tired or you don't come out on top with the ball. You don't, you know, uh, get uh, rewarded by the ref and stuff. Then they will obviously find an overlap because they, they commit two guys, you commit three, and then all of a sudden it's a numbers game. There's space out wide. But they didn't, and they never broke, and they got rewarded, and they did minute 20, minute 30, minute 40. Pierre Bourgarit, I know I love Julien Marchand. Pierre Bourgarit Beast. played probably the, the most impressive warrior-type hooker position or number two position I've seen in a long, long time. He flew into everything that was coming. He jackaled every single ruck that was in front of him, him and Greg Aldrit and Vian Diebenberg and Mathias Haddad, like you said, who was nonstop. And they just kept at it and kept at it. Uh, Prizo, probably hell, he's got four <laughs> lungs, this lucid prop. And, and they were just going at it. And, and I'm like, they're going to get pinged. You know, it's, it's too, don't do that against Leinster. That's the typical mistake. And I think what Ronan O'Gara's plan was saying is that if we lose, we might as well lose by doing everything that we can. So just go full tilt into what we're good at. And if we come up short, we've come up short. They looked super confident and, you know, and physically they completely dominated with a Will Skelton who played 20 minutes or something in, in the last couple of weeks and he was a monster. Beast. So fair play. It was just the ruck, the ruck attitude and aggressivity was out of this world. But what I took away from it as well, Benji, was it's almost that is top class coaching with a top class confident squad. There's a sprinkling of quality in certain positions, but... Most of it is French and most of it is high level gifted players with a bit between their teeth wanting to execute something at an extremely high level. And that's what we saw. Like nobody does that to Leinster. Nobody does that to Ireland, apart from we saw France do it where they blitzed them to death. And that was it. It was the, the, com the combination of the fitness, the determination, the accuracy defensively, those three things, the line speed, the incessant getting off the line. That's exhausting. But then when you catch Leinster behind the game line, you get them on the deck, you compete for ball, you slow the ball down. They're average. They're like everyone else. That was it. It's how do you take away that two, two second ruck speed? If you take that away from them, they're just like everyone else. And that's exactly what they did. Once you get up in that arm wrestle and physically you're on the front foot, it's hard. Like it is for everybody. And that's where, for me, it was a phenomenal defensive performance. That, that mix of the system, the will and the players and how it was coached and watching it, it was, it was just top class. I absolutely loved watching them. And I was watching with a, with a Leinster supporter as well, which made it even better. So he was cheering every Leinster victory, every small victory, every penalty, which Leinster got a lot of the rubber green first half as well from Barnsley. But that was it. Just La Rochelle didn't fall away. They kept clawing away, kept believing in themselves. And second half, man, absolutely amazing stuff to watch them come back and win the first championship. It was, it was colossal. And you say nobody does it to Leinster, but I get that everyone thought Leinster were going to win this game. The situation was completely different last season in the semi-final. We mentioned last week, Johnny, some of the personnel was different as well. But they had done it to Leinster before. If you're in that La Rochelle dressing room, you think everyone's almost writing us off before we've started. It's almost a team talk written for them, isn't it? And they'd been there, they'd done it. I think there's other areas of the game that we didn't really, like Scrum, for instance. Like I thought the La Rochelle front row, the front five, were terrific at Scrum time as well. And it was almost... Like, I'm not sure if they, right, they didn't play that first strength side last year, but watching England against Ireland at Twickenham during the Six Nations, they'd be like, right, well, we've pretty much effectively got a, f a full front row that can play for France and we're confident in ourselves. And they just picked them apart. And that was the same for several facets of the game. That was what interesting, what was interesting to watch that they were just confident. They went about their business quietly. Nobody pumped them up before. They were underdogs, which we heard Greg Aldrich talk about during the week and how that tag really suited them. They didn't like being favourites. 
And that's it. They just got the bit between their teeth. They were determined. They were physical and they didn't let up. And they just battered Leinster. And we've seen Saracens do it before. We've seen other teams do it before. But that was it. If you can bash Leinster, take that gain line away from them and cause havoc at the ruck and be accurate, which they absolutely were, you can come away with it. So look, it was top class and absolutely worth their win uh, and their first European trophy. Big shout out to Phil Gardon, who's the, the former conditioner of Clermont with me, who's in La Rochelle doing a, a top job. And it's 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 a proper sort of a win from a whole coaching side. I'm sure Doncha, Doncha Ryan was was all the way up there in the in the line of strategy and stuff. But it's it's basically what what Munster tried to do to Toulouse in, in in the quarters and almost got away with. So potentially Ronald Ogar will watch that game with with a lot of attention. And after the game, he said the Connor game, Connor in the URC, and the Leicester game yeah. uh, they played. I think he I think he was a bit. He's full of shit on that one. I don't think it's the two <laughs> games that you watched, to be fair. But 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 he must have watched some good stuff because his his confidence, his own experience, you know, when a guy he's the perfect guy basically to tell you how to beat Leinster in the European final. Not only he's been there, done that, but knows them inside out. When he says, I've got a plan, whew, he's only the perfect person for that week. And you spot on about the breakdown. And Johnny, you're spot on about the defense. Everyone's talking about those aspects. They did outscore them three tries to nil. And the key thing you mentioned, you can't do either of those things for a full 80 minutes because you'd be exhausted. They forced Leinster to make 224 tackles. They had the lion's share of the possession. And it is about starving Leinster of ball as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah, starving them of ball. So they, they did really well. And the, the forwards battle was tremendous. But there's a huge emphasis uh, from Ronald O'Gara on the 23-man squad. And I don't think he was on, he was joking. He was genuine about it. Right. When you have Jonathan Dante throwing himself at you, and my word, he's a monster. Then Botia comes out at the end. When you have, you know, all those guys that you mentioned in up front and stuff, but you have you have Sazi who's no fun. You have Scalvi, Bush, and uh, what's his name, and the, and the Lucid that comes in and stuff. It's they have a proper cavalry coming in that really hits you, hits you on the head. And no disrespect to anybody at Leinster, but when Ta- when Tai Frolong comes off. It's, it's not the same player. So the the the, the coach has also won that 6-2 split, 5-3 split, 23-man uh, emphasis during the week, or I'm sure that's sort of a, a thesis about them, to to make sure that, like you said, they were able to sustain that, that performance, that defensive energy, and that general performance for the full 80. And Benji mentioned it briefly. I asked you last week, Johnny, how important Will Skelton would be, given he hasn't played a lot of rugby. I think we got our answer, didn't we? I don't think I've seen a man enjoy a game of rugby, like enjoy putting himself about and trying to bully an opposition as much as that in a long time. Like you see it's the Beth in different ways going about his business, but he's just so effective. Like he's such a big unit and he knows how effective he can be. So to see somebody take pleasure in going about the business and rolling their sleeves up after a disappointing, you know, three, four, five weeks out with a calf injury was insane. And that's it. We talked about the physicality, how that would be the key in terms of carries and destroying breakdown and destroying opposition carries. And he was absolutely the forefront with Antonio Aldrich, Joe Dante, we've already mentioned, but didn't think Leinster had the answer for that physicality. And he was the epicenter of everything good about it. Um, and that was why they won the game. Like that combination of defense, that combination of collision and jackal area, he was just monstrous, man. And I think he's been fairly monstrous over the past 48 hours as well on the pitch. Um, and he's enjoying himself. And speaking of men who have been enjoying themselves over the past few days, another friend of the show who we've just had a message from, I don't think he's going to be joining us. He might have had a few pints and a few cocktails as well. He hire West. Benji, we had him on the show and we spoke to him about last year's finals, both of them. He took a lot of flack for his kicking. Four out of four. And not just that, he was good, wasn't he? 
Uh, he was proper good. That's what I was thinking. If I don't, I don't want to not speak about him, but I was also thinking, what's next for La Rochelle? So this season, yeah, they've got to deal with 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 uh, Lyon on the weekend. They're not qualified yet, but I think no. they'll make it. Come on, they can they can rotate, and then they'll still have a strong squad. I reckon they'll, they'll be in that momentum, and they play Lyon, who will be in the same boat, right? But in, in the same time, what's what's for next year? And the problem is, yeah, because I saw Greg Aldrich resign three years and all those guys are going to mm-hmm. resign and, you know, the future looks bright, but they're, they're losing him. They're losing Aya West. He's going to Toulon. Jules Plisson is going to Clermont. He's leaving. And so they've got, they've got, they're going to have two new tens. And that's a big old position to, to fill. And he's been instrumental. He really has been sort of the talisman of the, of this team to go, for, to take them to that new era where La Rochelle were going to be. It took them a while and they were always big. Winnie Tony has been there 10 years. And, you know, they were always complicated. Before Will Skelton, there was Johnny Kovu, who was a ginormous dude. You know, so there was always big fellas. He, I reckon him, Carballo, Victor Vito, really implemented that, that mindset and that modern 2.0 version of, of La Rochelle that got them up to speed. Because clearly, he's, he might not be the perfect 10. That's why he got some flock from Flack or Flock last year in the final because he's, he may not be the one doing all the boring 10 to control game but in terms of putting tempo to an attack in terms of being a one-on-one threat he's all the way up there and when he's good he's outstandingly good and I think that's what he's done that whole campaign he probably had a point to prove personally and I, I love those stories good on him I think he he is well deserved when you prove everybody wrong by a performance not by luck fair play to him he is going to be one massive loss for La Rochelle. Different type of 10, but is Antoine Hasto next season, yeah. Johnny? Yeah, from Poe. So he's come up, so he's the first one. And again, different type of player, like you say, Benji. But again, it's taking EI a, a bit of time to not to get up to speed, but to be leading the team the way he leads the team consistently. Like It's almost like for me, the system and the way Rog organizes them, I think if you bring somebody in and coach them up, they can get them up to speed. And I think it's more the system than the individuals that really make it sparkle. Although Ihaya West has been another man like he's been great in a team that functions at an extremely high level it might even be more difficult for him going to Toulon and picking up as a 10 with a completely different system but Hastoy again is a guy that's got the nuts and bolts maybe third fourth choice in the French hierarchy to go on and potentially kick on to another level I think that's what they're hoping for from him but to go back to West the most pleasing thing for me for him and knowing him a little bit like we caught up on the pitch after the semi-final he was absolutely buzzing but I think it's the manner and the note that you finish on at clubs, which the memory that you leave. And for him, he's just gone about his business and dominated one of the best, maybe not dominated, but got a massive one over and lifted the trophy. And his opposite man was one of the best of all time. There's all these little individual wins, part of a system that were superb to watch, whether it was Skelton, whether it was La Volte, despite his, his yellow card. Again, <laughs> just the grind of all these different guys in their own little niches in their positions. I absolutely loved watching it. And Ehi is a guy who... Loves his rugby. I think he'll be a little bit sad genuinely to leave his mates at La Rochelle because they have such a good group together. But what a note to leave on. I mean, absolutely phenomenal to have done that, to have beaten Johnny Sexton, to have lifted the trophy, the first one in the history of the club. I mean, it doesn't get any better. So kudos to him. Um, It's been amazing watching him as well on his journey through La Rochelle. And it doesn't look like he's going to join us because he's absolutely wasted. But you know what? (laughs) Fair play to him. I'd, I'd be in the exact same boat. Johnny mentioned it there. An amazing performance made all the better because I'm sure when Thomas Laveau was yellow carded, everyone was thinking game over. Yeah, you were very kind with Thomas Laveau, I think, because that was one stupid, stupid thing to do in a European final. 
Uh, he's, he's young. He's, he's a ferocious uh, second row who does a lot of graft, who probably learned all his trades from Womasazi, who's got to be one of the most slippery rugby players in the history of the sport. <laughs> Sheriff. Yeah, so 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 he's he's learned a few things. But I mean, I, I was I was scared for them. I was scared that they were going to slip. And, and like I said to you, after 20 minutes, I saw them hitting all those rocks. Like, oh, they, they can't sustain that. It's too hard. Uh, where they, would, they, they didn't score. You know, I mean, how long did that last sort of those last 10 minutes last? Forever. It was just never ending. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? Um, you know, insisting, not taking the points, not taking the points. You know, I mean, and again, I think it's the mindset, go hard or go home. They really had that mindset of saying, we're not going to try and do a lanester, which are ruthless. And they'll put three points, three points, three points. And they'll always come back and they're just constantly grinding in and they can control a game. They said, the only way that we can win is if we control ball possession as maximum, that we take them into our arena. You know, let's take them in the phone booth. Let's see how much they can run in there. And, and let's control the game the way that we decide to do so. And so those last 10 minutes are a perfect example. They could have taken the points a thousand times. Would have they got another opportunity to get five meters out? I'm not so sure. No, they didn't get a yellow card in in the scrum, uh, Lanester. I think they were penalized at least four or five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a bit of a a weak decision from from Wayne Barnes. I thought he, he should have he should have pinged them. It was just too, it, it was it was too sort of how do you say that too kind of him not to do so. But they stayed at it. They stayed at it. So in terms of confidence, I think they were all the way up there. They were like, you know, let us do this thing. Because remember, uh, Bosch tries to extend his arm and he drops it. So they had a couple of cock-ups, right, on that line. But they just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. So I was, I was super, super impressed with that determination that let's stick to what we do really well. And that all, again, that goes down to the mindset, you know, attitude reflects leadership. So there's a great leaders within that team. But also Ronaldo Gar just, you know, bleed, feeding them with, with his mindset of saying, just back yourself 1,000%. And then we'll see. If we lose, let's lose big, basically. Did you not think it was a great call again to be a man down? And then, you know, you've got an upper hand, slight upper hand. Once Ty Furlong goes off, the scrum's creaking. And you're like, well, we've got our foot on their throat. So let's just go. Let's just keep pounding yeah. and see what happens. And I love listening to Rog after the game. Like he had, a, he had a big mention for Donica Ryan saying, you know, the quickest way to score a try or to get over the, the try line is just a straight line. It's one meter, it's pick and go. And like, how many phases did they get through? There were no chance they were giving their back line a man down the ball out wide, but that was it. They just absolutely pummeled them. They had it in the physical edges. They had it in tight. They had it up close and they just got over the line. And that was really impressive as well. Because I think other teams would have taken a three and then thought, right, we're going to have another shot. That's the correct thing to do, but not at all. The correct thing to do was to stick to their beliefs, stick to their strengths. And they absolutely did that. It was so exciting to watch. There's another example of sticking to your strength. I, I remember watching the semi. I barely watched it against Racing because it was boring as. I remember at the end, <laughs> I remember at the end, Carballo comes off, right? And Arthur Rotier comes in at nine. And at the end, he's because they're not winning by that much. I think IIW scores at like 78 minutes or something like that, or 75th. I can't remember when it was. You know, something could have happened, right? And it would have been a massive upset, but something could have happened. And Arthur Rotier comes in. And he's he's a nine that doesn't really like to pass the ball. He's one of those electric number nines that is crazy good on one and one. He can make it, but he's a winger that can play nine. You know that type of Austin Healy type of player. And he tries once or twice to go around the ruck. He gets caught, gets penalized, and I'm telling everybody's yelling at him. And I remember precisely I was actually turning his eye. Bloody hell, just screaming at him, just pass the bloody thing. Stop. I don't know what happened inside the Laoshil. I'm not trying to say, but Roland Ogar, probably, if you're, you know, an idiot coach, at the end, you're like, mate, last time you try, this is no fun and games, all right? You're not playing with the academy anymore. 
when you come on, you're going to deliver. And he scores the winning try in the final two, three weeks before by doing exactly that, sticking to what he's very, very good. And he almost dropped it. He almost didn't score it. <laughs> but if he doesn't back himself to the moon and back and tries, they actually never win it, do they? If they stick to just little pick and go, lip and go that Leinster can defer all day long, they don't win it. So it's just another example of, you know, stick to what you do perfectly well. Stick to, to your guns, to you, to who you are, and then back yourself to the moon. Speaking of leaders and battering them in the tight, a man you know very well, Benji, was at La Rochelle when they got promoted from Predator eight years ago. The king of La Rochelle from whoever we speak to on the podcast, Winnie Antonio. He is going to be loving life right now, isn't he? Ah, uh, mate, he's... I'm genuinely very happy for him. He's... um. Not only has he got a Winnie the Pooh massive tattoo, you know, on his uh, on his <laughs> chest, which is true, huh? he actually has a te- massive teddy bear tattoos here, a teddy bear that's sleeping like this. But but he he's he's the kindest human giant you will ever find. He's like a Joe Tecore. He's a magnet to good social lads. You just want to hang out with him. He's always happy. He's always smiling. You just don't want to be, be a roommate with him because he snores like a motherfucker. <laughs> but um, but 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 other than that, he's just the kindest thing. I remember, I remember Gail Ficou saying, you know, when they were speaking about the the whole Six Nations and France and stuff, and um, he's like, mate, when, when I hang out with with Winnie Antonio or, or Romain Tao or or Teddy Toma, whatever, I just don't want to leave them. I, I genuinely don't want to leave them. And that's probably the nicest compliment you can ever give to one of your teammates, right? And Winnie Winnie's one of those. Just you don't want to leave him. You want to stick around with him. And he's he he's stuck to La Rochelle. In the good and the bad moments, when he was getting picked up by the French team, he got a massive offer by Toulouse. I remember one year, I gave him a five-year contract, whatever, where Toulouse was smashing it and La Rochelle was just getting promoted. He had a big old gap in his international career where he wasn't picked up by France anymore. He wasn't looked at. Now he's a Grand Slam winner. He's a he's a you know a Champions Cup um, winner. He's definitely going to have a statue in La Rochelle somewhere because he's, uh, or at least, <laughs> at least there'll be a merry-go-round, you know, with with him. <laughs> and kids can be, will be able to ride him or something. <laughs> but but he's now he's one of those gentle giants that I don't. I, I will, I will challenge you to find somebody who has something bad to say about him, and he will be living his best life at the moment, probably falling asleep. Up and getting back up and going back to partying. So no, I wish him all the best. He sent me a really nice, I sent him a message. He sent me a nice thing back and I was just generally chuffed for him. And the tattoo? Because weenie, winning. In French, everybody says, no, is it not the same in England? Poubet. Yeah. In French, it's, it's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And so Winnie, Winnie Lourson, Winnie Lourson, Winnie the Pooh. And so he got a massive tattoo on his chest. Of course. I don't know how that happened. But I thought it was a myth. And I've seen it and because he's a ginormous human being i mean his, his tattoo is probably big like three times like in my head so no, it's, it's a it's a proper tattoo he'll be leading the charge and right by his side again we've had messages raymond rule johnny did you see the boom box before the game he'd, he'd be living life as well now saw the boom box he had uh, the super soaker i'm not sure if it was vodka champagne or water he was spraying on the crowd <laughs> off the bus and la rochelle he sent a couple of vids just with something in his hand with the boys with his feet in the sand. So look, I think they're all having an amazing time. And, and that's these memories that you get when you go through and you have success as a team. And like Benji mentioned, it's been a long old slog for La Rochelle, but what a story. Like eight years after getting promotion from Pro to top 14 to be the champions of Europe. Like that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to anybody. So the fact that they've done it, they've written this fairy tale ending is absolutely crazy. But as Benji said, the question is what's next? Like, what, what's next for these guys now that they're there? Are they going to be at this level consistently? Three finals in two years, 
would say yes. Can they tie down the coaching staff? Can they make it a year in year out thing? Are they going to turn into a dynasty as Clermont once were, as Toulouse have been? Are they going to challenge every single year? That's the exciting thing for these guys now as a group with their feet in the sand now having a beer and laughing and talking what they've just won is let's go and do it next year. Be a slightly different group. We'll be mingling with different people, but let's try and do it again. Let's win the top 14. Let's try and do a double. And can we go again and back it up next season? That's what success brings. And that's what these guys bring. An amazing coaching staff, some seriously talented players, well-organized and absolutely worth their win. It was always a big ask to expect any of them to come on <laughs> 10, 20, 30 beers deep, champagne, cocktails, whatever from the beach. If they don't, we'll get them on in the weeks to come. We'll find out what the celebrations were like. But from you two, a lot of people in the UK and Ireland look on at those celebrations in La Rochelle with envy because rugby over there is is slightly different. I mean, I'm not saying if Leicester won the trophy, there wouldn't be huge celebrations, but just the scenes that we saw in the port looks incredibly special. Can you two contextualise that and give an insight into how special that looked compared to things you've experienced over there? It's um well you probably you probably lived that with 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 Bayonne, Johnny. Um, but it's I mean I, I the the only sort of equal sentiment that I can tell you is winning it with Clermont when you have when you have such such passion behind a club and people ready to to travel and to support and to cheer and to go over and beyond what's normal to do to support people in, in the good or the bad moments. It's it's just it just makes it extra special. So I think people don't need to think that this is the case everywhere in France. They're just special, special clubs that are extraordinary because of that. There's La Rochelle, there's Clermont, there's Toulouse in the good old days, there's Bayonne in a certain way. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that everywhere. The same way, like you said, that if you did in England, I mean, I remember uh, going to David Strettel's wedding in 2017 after we lost the Champions Cup final to Saracens, but then we won the top 14. And I went to his wedding. There was loads of Saracens boys and I was sitting in front of uh, Brad Barrett. He was telling me, oh yeah, we saw all those scenes of, you know, 100,000 people plus the road. That must have been good. So I mean, I, that was the bomb. And that year, did they win the double or I can't remember, or I can't remember if they won the premiership too that year, but at least they won the Champions Cup. And I was like, I mean, that, it, w- it should have been, it must have been extraordinary for you. He's like, well, I've got an anecdote. He lives, he used to live in St. Albans and I go down to my local pub. He goes, hey, well done. He's like, yeah, fair enough. And he sits down with some of the boys on the Sunday and stuff for a bit of a Sunday session and a crate of beer arrives with 10 pints. So, I mean, I've been living here for 10 years. The first time I don't have to order and we get a free round of beers. And smash some beers, blah, 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 have a good time. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, the guy just drops the bill. Every single beer was on there. They didn't get one free, <laughs> like not one free. We did three days in Clermont after the 2017 title where I think, I can't remember why, but two days later, I need to drop my wife somewhere. I was still steaming probably. I was, oh, don't worry. I was 20 minutes away from Clermont. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way. I'll find a way uh, to, um, to, to come back. I was going to walk back to town thinking I'm going to take the bus. I don't know where I was. I think 49 seconds later, there was two cars waiting. Where are you going? We'll drop you. Whatever. And it was three days after. You know, it just it just took it to a different dimension. It's it's also towns that live through uh, a group of players putting them on, on, on the European map. And and Laoshil is just one of those. It's actually a small, it's a small town, very, very proud, a huge history, incredible um natural resources. Uh, Charlotte Maritime, you know, there's to drink, there's to eat, there's to walk, there's to cycle, there's to swim, there's whatever you want. All the best bits. No, man, it's, and, and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful town, but they have been, you know, lifted to a different era thanks to rugby because you have European travelers that come and 
So they just want to give it back. It, it, the, it, it goes over and beyond anything you can think of, but it's just the expression of love and consideration and devotion of those people who treasure it. So it's, it's not like that everywhere in France. Well, weirdly, I would say to the three sides that I played for in France, it was like that. Like Cast, the town of 35,000 people. La Rochelle, 75,000 people. Bayonne, 35,000 people. Like These are not big towns, but it's almost like, I think from the outside looking in, like London and Saracens is a different kettle of fish because there's so much to do. There's so many distractions. But when you flip it and you have the rugby that animates the town and engages people and brings people into something where there isn't much else apart from a passion for an amazing sport, that's the engagement you get. And that's maybe what's lacking because in the UK, most of the teams are built around big cities with lots of distraction. But for Brits, when we look across and we see the passion, when we see the carnival, when we see the face paints, when we see the beers and the cigarettes and the chips stand at the side of the pitch, and we just, in the, in the sunshine that we don't have where we're from, that's what you get. You get this engaged town that wants to back their team everywhere they go and they travel and they come everywhere with you and they celebrate like nowhere else. And that's why it's different, Benji. Um, and no matter the size of the town, like I couldn't get over my head, around my head and cast 35,000 people, but every single week in the stadium, there's 16 to 20,000 people in a town of 35, you know, it just pickled my head. And the same with Bayonne. It's not a big place, but they sell out 20,000 every single week. That's the engagement and the passion that these towns have for the rugby. And I think that's maybe what's lacking a little bit in the UK and Ireland. There's certain teams that do it really well, but across the board, there's not the same engagement. There's not the same passion. There's not the same fervor for going to a stadium, supporting your team. That is the beauty of the South of France. And now teams like La Rochelle engaging in the Northwest, engaging different publics. And when you see the turnout, like that photo is historic. When you see the turnout to support an open bus tour, to mark the memories of Yehi West, of Greg Aldrich, who've just re-signed or are leaving the club, these memories will last a lifetime because that's what it meant to the people from that town. That's the best bit of is making these memories and accomplishing these things together. That's what makes it so cool. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
and they're very good. I actually had a couple of them popped off um, in the pool this week and I felt right as rain after them because I had a whiskey night about 10 days ago and it took me about six days to recover. So these set me right. Um, Days Brewing, zero alcohol, but they are absolutely banging. So if you're getting a barbecue, if you're going to sport, if you're lucky enough to be by a swimming pool or just heading to the beach, get some of these in your hand because they are absolutely class. Yeah, we've sent you yours as well, Benji. Days is a new breed of alcohol-free beer created for those who want to do more. Proudly brewed in Johnny's native Scotland, they are 0.0% ABV and low calorie, and they're now a B Corp certified company committing 2% of all sales to charities that empower fresh thinking towards mental health. Brewed for good times, good days, and good tomorrows, you can enjoy all the great moments associated with a cold beer, just without the side effects. And with over 700 five-star reviews, it tastes great too. So just head over to daysbrewing.com and use the code RugbyPass15 to get 15% off a case. Challenge Cup final, Leon Toulon. Not a classic, but Leon certainly sees their moment, didn't they, Benji? I, I didn't see it coming at all either. Not at all. One, not one slightest bit. Uh, extremely poor pronostic from me, but definitely hugely well-deserved win by Lyon. They just dominated them. They they butchered them for the whole game. Complicated conditions, very, very wet ball, and they see, they seem to play seamlessly. They, they they just Ninashvili, that Georgian winger fullback. You got to remember him because he's a he's a proper player. Guillaume Marchand is stepping into the shoes of his brother Julien, and he was he was very very good. They they just dominated them. Uh, Jordan uh, Tofua really seems to be sort of the talisman of of this team and getting them to the different level. Baptiste Couillou, I mean, we have so many good nines at the moment in France. It's 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 pretty unreal. We're, we're very very blessed. The same way that I. I you know, mentioned Bogarit and you've got five of five hookers, but nine. I mean, Batiste Kouyou didn't even get a sniff, but, you know, he's he's very, very good. And Batiste Serain is very good. And obviously, uh, Lucu and um, and Anton Dupont. So, no, no, we were, we're and Nolan Legaric, whatever. There's, there's too many. I don't, I don't want to choose off them. But they, 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 they had a brilliant, brilliant game. And, and they just clearly dominated it. Minute one to minute 80. I didn't see one moment where they didn't deserve to win. Uh, and unfortunately, Toulon were suffocated in their final in the, the Stade de Vélodrome de Marseille, which they lost to, I can't remember what it was, Cardiff, I think it was, in 2012 or something, like that, ages ago. And they still are pissed off about that one. It was the Johnny Wilkinson, Sony Billy Williams, and all that generation. And they still really, really peed off. And they just couldn't convert it. It was it was there for the taking. It was the perfect scenario where they beat Saracens, who obviously were huge contenders in the semi. Um, they were dominating. They're really bouncing back. They're looking really threatening. Chelsea and Colby was back, and they just got beaten by better on the day. It didn't touch the ball, man. Yeah, and then they were, they were out. Uh, how do you say that? Hungry. Um, they just wanted it more. Lyon yeah. by a mile. They were just hungrier than them, uh, throwing their, their their body on bodies on everything and just dominating. I just thought they played a really simple, pragmatic game plan that completely undid Toulon. Toulon trying to run things from strange areas of the field, even like the first interception try where Sergio Parise gives the, like a decent option, three on one, but it's just well-read, that smart play outfoxed again. And then I think physically, they really, really went for Carbonell. The amount of times Tuasova barged over that, like I felt bad for Louis Carbonell. The amount of times he got sat in his ass. But that was it. Leon just pragmatic, a kicking game with Gatai just sticking the ball in there time after time, pressurizing the back three, forced them to run out and they sort of fell into the trap that was set. Um, Look, I think as well, massive, massive score for Pierre Mignoni. Like for him to have won that after all the graft that's gone in over the period of time he's been with Lyon and to beat Toulon, the, t- the team that he's going to next season, that's huge for him. Like a, a huge sort of 
validation of the work that he's put in, the graft, the coaching staff that's been working extremely hard there, the emphasis on youth that they've had as well. Some of the young kids they've come through that played extremely well. Kuyu, one of the guys that's played time and time again over the past two seasons has been superb, but that was it. They just looked hungry, settled, pragmatic. And you can't forget, they lost at home to Toulon by 45 points. They shipped 42 points, I think it was, five weeks ago to the same Toulon side in the top 14 at home in Lyon. So a massive statement, a massive kick up the ass. Strategically, they set up very differently to play and Toulon just fell apart. So a huge final and absolutely well-deserved. The first silverware for them since 1933, I think the stat is, which is crazy. And the perfect send-off for Pierre Mignone. Now they've booked Champions Cup rugby for next season with that win. The question for them is as well, alongside La Rochelle, where are they going to finish in this pecking order? What are they going to do in the top 14? Still lots of moving parts. We don't know who's going to finish in the top six, but why can't they go on and win that as well? A huge result for them, momentous for the club. Um, the president will be absolutely delighted at the cash he's injected over the past 10 years. So a huge result. Yeah, first major trophy for them since 1933. Benji mentioned Nini Ashvili, a hell of a performance from him. He was also at the centre of all the major incidents. The, the first one on the stroke of half time, what was he doing? Doesn't matter, mate. We don't need to talk about it because they won the game. If they'd lost the game, you'd be like, oh my shit. And he would get it and he would not let to live it down. But the fact they won the game, we'll scratch that one. The other talking points though? Thankfully, we can scratch that one. The other one, I don't know what you both made of it, but Ebenet's the best clear out on him. He obviously melts him. Don't get me wrong. But it's a clear out. Uh, the only problem is that Nina Gili is, is um, just tackled the dude so first. Rewind nine seconds. He melts. It's this why it yeah. happens, all right? And and then he gets back up, whatever. And then he goes on the wing and he catches the guy. Except instead of tackling and ending up on his own half, he shows his ribs and his back. You have to clear him out, to be fair. To be totally honest, do you have to clear him out like that? Really hard. Yes. Well, yeah, that's what the game's well, yeah. about. You've just yeah, been that's the tackled thing. by a winger. You fucking got you. You got red. Miss comes down, but he's legally. If he's not connect, he didn't show a video angle where he hits his head. Right, so it looks like the top of his back. But that's it. You've just been smashed. You've been made to look like a dick by a small winger. And the game is about physicality. So, source of course, you're going to see that same guy. Like Benji said, ten seconds later, your eyes are going to light up, and you're going to try and smash him to bits. That's what the game's about. That's why we love it. However, if he has connected clear with his head, with his head it's a red card. But we didn't see that. There was no video proof. If he'd been shown to have connected straight with his head, he'd been sent from the field. He'd been sent off, but we didn't get that. Right. That's the gray zone of rugby. I don't think it's about the head. Pascal Papier, remember, got a yellow or a red for charging in the ribs. Uh, Jamie Hislip, France Ireland game. And Jamie Hislip is in a driving mall and he just ends up, you know, rolling over and showing his back. If you want to push the driving mall, you have to whack him in the ribs. Red exactly. Card. No, but it was red card. And then Elizabeth didn't get anything. So that's, it's, that's the whole thing of what are you meant to do? I don't think there's any other way for Pascal Papi to hit that rock. Did he do it on purpose to hit him ribs? Absolutely, of course. I think so. <laughs> and did, did, did Elizabeth? Yes, but that's part of the game. Did, did he actually try to clear out a guy who was in the tackling zone of a ball carrier of his own team? Yeah. Did he have any other way of doing it without hitting his back? I'm not sure, actually. I, I, don't, think I, ha- I don't know how he could have done it unless if he ran, stopped, pulled him out. Right, which is never going to happen. So it was definitely, definitely revenge. I think the problem is it's a small winger against a ginormous man, and so it doesn't make it look any any better. But the rules have to be the same, even for the small, for the big, for the ultra big like him. And irrespective of whether that should have been sanctioned, 
should he have been allowed to carry on afterwards? Fuck no, mate. He should have been. He was out. He was snoring on his back. What went wrong? Two things. The Leon medical team, shocker. And then you're meant to have an independent head doctor that's watching and pulling people from the field. So both of them have failed or have not been quick enough. But the guy is there either with a physio or with a doctor. I don't know which because I don't know the staff. On his back, snoring. They had to wake him up. Did he really? Mate, he was out cold. He was sat snoring on his back. There's no way. He was out cold. There's absolutely no way he should have just stayed on the field of play. Not a chance. And he was certainly staggering around when he rejoined the defensive line. So at some stage, someone has to see that, surely. Of course. And that's it. In a game that we play that we all love, it's getting more and more physical, more and more attritional. We're trying to look after players' mental health, also brain health. And 100%, he has to be pulled from the field quicker. Like, we have to do better and look after our players. So there might be some sort of inquest as to why or how he was allowed to carry on, but it wasn't safe. It's not safe to allow somebody to go on and potentially get a second hit and do that again because he was an absolute, he was in dreamland. It was, it was scary. Again, watching it, somebody that's had concussions and been knocked out on the field, that was scary watching him being allowed to stagger around behind the defensive line and the prospect of making another tackle five seconds afterwards. So you hope, again, that it's signaled that the Leon staff catch wind, they do better next time, but he absolutely should have been nowhere near the field. He should have been off straight away. And we chatted about comparisons with the UK in terms of the celebrations in La Rochelle a little earlier on. Both Leon and La Rochelle came up from Predator together eight years ago. And Leon have been down and come up again since then as well. Does this show everyone else what's possible and also show sort of the strength of the French rugby pyramid? I know the comparisons with England are very difficult. The towns in France dominated by rugby. It's not the same in England, but it does show, doesn't it, what you can do in in French rugby and the way that pyramid works. I'm not sure how many more uh, promotions there are going to be. In the same era, we had Racing, we had uh, Bordeaux, we had Lyon, we had La Rochelle, we had all those guys that were sort of also putting rugby, sort of uh, an area of rugby that wasn't represented on the map, which was perfect. Then you have a little bit Oyonnax, then you have a little bit Grenoble. So basically the only spots that are untouched at the moment are probably even further north, like Vannes, Brittany, completely north, like Lille, or completely east, like Strasbourg, and you know, that all that all area in Alsace. But they're not particularly rugby over there, even though Morgan Paris from there. So it's, I think it's incredibly hard. I think a little bit like in England, you've reached, I think, the limits of what they can do to try to promote some more clubs and this and that. Well, we'll see some other adventures. Like you said, at huge backers in Lyon, and it took them a, a ton of time to get their first title. It's very, very complicated. I don't see it happening anymore. But they're definitely one of the reasons why French rugby is so competitive. It's so um, the fact that it's spread out more into France just makes so much more sense, makes it so much more interesting, uh, makes, makes it so much richer. And that's the key word is richer, in that now if anybody comes up like this, we've got, we've got Bayon and Monomarsan that come are, are in the Pro de final. But if Monomarsan win that, what are they going to do in the top 14? I don't even think they want to. But the players will. The players on the field, knowing the boys that are there and knowing some of the boys and the staff, Remy Tales, and the way they think, it'll be an adventure. But realistically, when you go up there, Monomarsan have been up there before Benji, we played against Monomarsan in top 14, like what are their actual expectations? It is really hard when you don't have the budget now. And that's where you said there won't be many more of these success stories. If Monomarsan go up, they're not miraculously going to get 15 million more euros in budget. It's just not going to happen. Bayon potentially, if they go up, they might get a little bit of boost in the coffers. Um, they already have a much bigger mass, sal- mass salarial, how do you say that? a salary cap, bloody hell, than Monomarsan. 
And you're looking for who's the next real team. Like you mentioned, the Van Benji is the president from Van going to find an extra 10 million to try and pump in and compete with Racing and Bordeaux and Toulouse with the budgets they have. That's the money that you have to have now to compete at the table in the top 14. It is that elevated and you have to have seriously deep pockets. And that, and that I think is going to be the struggle, like Benji mentioned, who can find that cash. Right. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week. What have you got for us, Benji? Uh, I've got I've got two. It's two consecutive moments, but they're not particularly interesting. It's just it's just to sort of highlight the you reason the why. It's not re- interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can turn it off now. You you can switch off. Um, now it's just to show the the importance of the heart and the work rate of La Rochelle, and that's the reason why they won. And I mentioned Danny Prizo. I don't know if you guys remember, but off a kickoff. He's on the halfway line and he almost blocks the kick of Johnny Sexton. And there's a zoom on him because he, he is not far from blocking him. And it's a 60 meter or 50 meter sprint or something. It was just that, that hunger for him to come. It took him 20 minutes to get back into the game because he was flogged <laughs> after that. But at least it, I don't think I've ever seen a lucid prof off a kickoff. Have, have a think about what I'm trying to say. Who sprinted, you know, and he was 20 meters ahead of everyone like a winger and almost blocked the kick of Johnny Sexton. That's just, that's pure hunger. And then he came off and uh, Veda, was was his name? Radi came on. And the second example I've got on this is the penalty that basically changed the whole game from La Rochelle, allowed them to be for, to to go for, to to line out for him to score is Pierre Bourgait. Again, it's off a chase and he's sprinting like there's no tomorrow. Johnny Sexton dummies because he's going to get blocked, passes the ball to somebody else, to Keegan who sights, goose steps a guy, whatever, well, Bourgarit actually, he gets tackled and he's on the ball, jackling, penalty turnover, they kick to touch and they score. So for me, that's just the absolute hunger and it was minute 66 or something and they're flogged physically. These are two guys that did a monster of a game in the scrum and one of them is running 50 meters on the kickoff. The other one is running 40 meters, gets a turnover, still has the lungs to throw away on the line out and to score that try who got them back into the game. So just general effort from front rowers to put absolutely everything they had for that team. And for me, that's the difference between the two the two teams. Not the, the Leinster front rowers didn't, but the, even the big fellas, you know, everybody was saying, oh, the big La Rochelle guy, even the biggest of the biggest, man, they they shift, they did a lot of work and they they busted their asses for that team and that's why they deservedly won. Johnny, I can see you laughing there. In the in the glitz, the glamour, the colour of European Farmers Weekend, Benji has picked the grunt and the effort of two front rowers. Of course. But weirdly, my wild card, I'm not sure if you've seen it, was actually going to be another front rower from Pro D2, from Oyonnax against Bayonne. So Bayonne won the game. But have you seen the try scored by Oyonnax's tight head prop? No. Unbelievable. It's this kid, Thomas Laclaya. He played under 20s for the French national side. He ran it in from halfway, boy. It's like, <laughs> go and have a look at it. It's ridiculous. He takes a decent ball carry on the 50 and then dummies, basically dummies the fullback into the front row and then dives over. So he was my wild card. But mate, I agree with you. Not just the front row, but La Rochelle in general. The performance, the work rate, the drive, the determination, the accomplishment European champions coming from Pro do eight years ago. Absolutely. Meter moment of the weekend is La Rochelle in their win. If you want to corner off just the front row, we can have that. But 100% La Rochelle. Absolutely. They can all share it. That was Johnny and Benji's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. Recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth Meat Pro. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can now get 20% off any full-price item 
All you have to do is enter the code FrenchPod20 at checkout. That's FrenchPod20, and you'll get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. Let's very quickly look ahead to the final weekend of the top 14 regular season as well, because we touched on earlier on. Absolute huge, so much up for grabs. Leon La Rochelle, we mentioned earlier, is absolutely massive. And two teams who, I don't know, maybe the team who stops celebrating the earliest will win. I don't know. How do you see it going? Um, I, th- I don't know. I, I, it's a very, very complicated look. Uh, I, I still ha- I still remember Toulon beating us in 2013 in Dublin, going on the smash for four days, and then they won the semi-final uh, a couple, you know, for three days after that. They were still steaming. So if if and La Rochelle, considering how much they won, all based on heart and how much they love each other and the depth of the squad, I reckon they can go at it again. So if anything, I'm more confident about La Rochelle still keeping on going on that on that level and then and qualifying rather than Lyon stepping up rather than Toulon stepping up. Um, and Toulon got a couple of injuries. So I don't know. It's it's one of those I'm more. I'm more worried about Toulouse. I'm more worried about, very worried about Clermont. Very. Um, and, uh, and, and all the, and those these teams. But I think f- for the European champions, La Rochelle will, will, will still keep on going. I'm not worried about Toulouse. They're home to Biritz. They're going to pick up five points. So they're home and dry. So for me, Toulouse are like, I'm, I was worried about them. We all were like four or five weeks ago. But now, again, with a week rest, you got to think they're home to Biritz. They're going to pick up five points. That's a certainty. Like the, the big ones like you mentioned, Tim, La Rochelle going away to Lyon. So you've got both European champions, La Rochelle in fourth and, and uh, Lyon in eighth. So Lyon, if, they, if they're going to get in the, in the top six, they have to win at home. The other one that is ridiculous is Racing against Toulon. Like you just mentioned yeah. Toulon as well with a couple of injuries, but Racing, who are currently fifth on 66 points, tied sixth with Toulouse. Toulon are on 64 points in seventh. So like that Racing Toulon game is like, it's a winner takes all again. So obviously because of bonus points, they're not straight shootouts, but it does very much feel like Leon v. La Rochelle and Racing v. Toulon are almost winner takes all. You win and you're in. Exactly. And if you're La Rochelle and you go away and you lose, but you take away a losing bonus point, you're still in with a chip and a chair, but you have to wait on other results. And the nice thing about the last round is that it's all played at the exact same time. So you can't wait and see what who's done what, as you would in any other regular round or weekend. This weekend, everything's played at five past nine at night or five past eight back in the UK. Um, and it's going to be absolute carnage. And that's the thing, like you've emptied yourself. As we know, Benji, it's a marathon in the top 14. And then come half past 11 on Saturday night, there's going to be some people that are absolutely stoked. And some guys are going to be absolutely devastated. So, like, those are the two massive games. And the other one you mentioned, Benji, is Clermont playing at home. They're home to Montpellier. And Clermont can still qualify as well. They're on 62 points in ninth. But they can still, if they win with a bonus point at home to Montpellier, they can still sneak in. So They can still qualify, but they can also still miss out on the Champions Cup for next season as well, Benji. So Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. I think it draws. Draws is the only thing. If Toulouse draw home to Buritz and everybody draws, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> How do you think they'll approach that last game? Knowing that it hasn't been the easiest year at all, the stadium's been two-thirds full, there's going to be big movement in the interseason. How do you think they'll get on against Montpellier this weekend? No, they'll, they'll go full tilt. The last game of Morgan Parra and Camille Lopez in Clermont, they'll definitely uh, go go full tilt at it. There's a there's an emotional charge about it. Um, they'll, they'll be pumped. 
they, they, they'll be, you know, you know, just do our best and worry about the rest later. But in their minds, they're definitely not thinking they're going to get through. At the other end, can you see any way Perpignan can escape that relegation playoff by beating Bordeaux, Brieve losing at Stade Francais? Uh, I think Brieve have got a better chance of winning at Stade Francais because they've got absolutely nothing to play for. And I think Perpignan are at home, but they're against Bordeaux, who's shooting for a home semi-final. I can't see Perpignan winning that one. So I think Perpignan would be 13th and they'll be playing against the losers of Bayonne Montmartre, which will kick off next week as well. There we go. Hell of a weekend up ahead. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we will be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.